0: Welcome to This Food Thing Podcast. This is the place where we talk about our relationship with food, whether it is friend or foe, easy or less so, and how it affects our behavior. Here's today's episode. Hi, welcome back to This Food Thing Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Christian Holcomb. In his youth, Christian excelled in athletics, winning numerous awards, and in his early 20s, he began his career in the fitness industry, later becoming a DJ and sound engineer. In 2011, he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, a form of inflammatory bowel disease, which led to a near-death experience and emergency surgery to remove his large bowel and create an ileostomy, a stoma. He's endured five major bowel surgeries, three in the last year, but despite a compromised digestive system, he lives a full and busy life. Christian, welcome to This Food Thing podcast. Hello. Can you just explain what a stoma is and also ulcerative colitis?
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, starting with colitis, colitis is um, known as in the group of inflammatory bowel diseases. Um, along with Crohn's disease, which uh, you may have heard of, and mm-hmm. um, and one or two other uh, diseases, and um, and it's an autoimmune disease, so it's where your natural um, defence system can't recognise which are good cells, which are bad cells, so it attacks them, and the battle, the war that's going on inside you, eventually creates ulcerations, um, on the inside of the colon, the large bowel in case, in this case, it's, uh, um, the large bowel for colitis for Crohn's. Um, it can be anywhere through the digestive, uh, digestive tract. Um, so, um, it causes lots of discomfort. Um, uh, you pass blood, uh, lots of wind, um, and also, uh, food that comes in, um, a lot, all those calories get used up fighting this internal battle that's going on. So you find it very hard to put on weight. So a lot of people lose lose weight. So, um, uh, people can live with it for many years and manage it on medication. Or in my case, um, it hit me so hard in the space of six months, uh, from 2011 into early 2012 that, um, I was uh, on death's door literally and had to have emergency surgery to have my bowel removed. Um, so,
0: sorry, I'm going to cut in now yeah. because normally I would say, so tell me about your relationship with food. But obviously that's not the way we're going to go right now. So what happened? Did you did you have an onset of symptoms and then collapse or it sounds brutal?
1: So um, I, I, I went to the doctor and the, the protocol for the for GPs normally is uh, if you're, if you're passing blood when you go to the loo, you go to the doctor, they, um, they give you a digital examination and, um, and I think for many guys, they'll say, oh, you've got hemorrhoids and they'll right. give you some hemorrhoid cream. And you, you go back if that doesn't work like I did and they go, oh, you've got IBS um, because you're on the toilet all the time and uh, you're very windy and, and all that. And uh, then you go back again and then they go, oh, we'll refer you now to, um, right. to uh, a, um, a gastro specialist. And, uh, and then I went for a colonoscopy. Um, where they um, use a camera to see um, what what's going on, and that's when I was diagnosed around October twenty eleven, and then I went um, my my. Um, uh, state changed quite considerably after that. And then, uh, I was, why? On, because it was an invasive procedure. Uh, no, uh, a little bit. It was a little bit to do with the, um, the, the laxatives they, they tried to, right. they tried to give me, I was pretty compacted in to put okay. hardly. Um, yeah. and, uh, And then eventually after all these laxatives from going going for tests, it cleared me right out. And I think it exposed all the the ulcerations. So I went on a very, and that's when uh, uh, the pain really set in. And uh, between October and December, 2011, um, I was uh, still working uh, full time. Uh, I was working mm. in the parliamentary gym and mm. also I was, uh, studying, uh, audio engineering. So I was, I was really busy. I was uh, 60 hour week plus travel, right,
0: um, right. in and
1: around, in and around London. And, um, and I was just getting worse and worse and on, um, more and more hard medication to really get a grip on this. and, uh, and then I was hospitalized at the end of 20, 2012 managed to just get out in time for christmas i was in for two weeks and um, can i just interrupt
0: when you went in did they know what they were dealing with or did you have to go in through a and e and then you went on a ward and they did more invest more investigation
1: uh we went to the local private hospital because we thought okay got private healthcare, we'll we'll do it Um, and it probably wasn't the best move because if you go to nhs and you go to a teaching hospital you get Mm. teams of people coming around seeing you all the time and uh and you you'll become this little project and uh, and it's great it's really good you feel like you're being looked after you and if you go to a private hospital like i did my um i'm waiting for my specialist to come around and he might come around at eight o'clock at night because he's doing the rounds at the nhs hospital and um and i wouldn't i wouldn't get to see him all the time plus as well with um uh with private hospitals it's a lot of planned surgeries so they're yeah. not used to many emergencies uh, like like mine. So I managed to get out of hospital um, for Christmas, but I was really, really bad. I was really unwell, and I was on um, a really strong medication called infliximab um, to really uh, get a grip on this thing. And, um, and were you a-
0: were you eating at this time,
1: or not very much? Not much by this point. No, not much. Um, what it-
0: were you able to tolerate?
1: Um, I can't really remember. I don't think okay. I was on anything um, too uh, uh, too fibrous. I was probably sure. they probably put me on a, a low res diet at, the, at that point. Um, so things that will digest uh, quite well. I mean, nothing uh, more natural than a potato. Um, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> um, and but I didn't have I didn't have much appetite at all. I was um, I wasn't being fed intravenously, but but at this point. Um, but I've had that many uh, uh, TPN intravenous food many a time in hospital. Have you? Um, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a real uh, lifesaver if you're if because you, sometimes you can be in hospital and you have, you're not eating for a week um, wow. because uh, you just can't uh, get things down. Um, so uh, between then and the first month month and a half of uh, 2012. I, um, I, ca- I, carried on as normal and I, I didn't go back to work, but I, um, actually went back to studying and, uh, went to a few lectures and things like that. And, um, and then, uh, we went up to, up north to the Wirral, which, which is where we live now, uh, mm. for a first birthday party. And, uh, my partner said, come on, let's go. She'd done so much for me. I felt like I needed to really make an effort to try and, yeah. to try and go. And, yeah. um, and I thought, you know, what's, what? what harm can, can come. I'm getting on, <laughs> I'm getting on the train at Houston, going right. off and, um, and I sit down and we got up north, got to the party It was at, at the house. And, uh, within about half an hour, I was on the bed upstairs and, um, and everyone was really worried about me because they hadn't seen me since I was, um, since so, I was, uh, uh, diagnosed. Uh, so with you,
0: because you were in so much pain
1: yeah i was just bent over in pain and Is this, uh, con- okay go on. constantly on the, on on the toilet as as well uh, that was a sunday and then come the tuesday um my partner sarah her uncle popped round to see how i was he took one hmm. look at me and he called an ambulance and they rushed they rushed me into arrow park hospital on the wirral and um, they um and they were all like what's been happening? Like who's been, who's been seeing to you, you know? Um, and that was a Tuesday and by the Friday night, um, the surgeon had had to fly back from holiday to save my life basically, because I literally had hours. It was, it wasn't even days. I was, I was, I was done. Yeah. When, when he took my bowel out, he said it was like a septic tank and, um, and it was like tissue paper. It just, I'm surprised they got it out of me because it came out and it just dissolved. It was, it was perforating and, and poisoning me from, from, I've the,
0: got, from the I've actually got, i actually got my mouth open. I'm glad we haven't got, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad the cameras aren't on. And now I'm fascinated and I need to delve into this, this bit about, um, a septic tank. So you were hours away from full on sepsis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, what was happening
0: was, was the, okay. So all the red and white blood cells are battling. Um, and is your, is your 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 flesh is just disintegrating yeah
1: yeah yeah and um I by Inside. this point I'd been in so much pain for so long and I remember being hosp- in hospital and those last couple of days I remember feeling not numb but my but being quite desensitized to it and that and that worried me a bit. Um okay and uh I felt like I felt like I was uh fading and did you um, like one I, foot
0: here one foot somewhere else?
1: Yeah yeah and I thought, I thought I was with it, but now if I talk about it to, uh, to Sarah, then, uh, I realized I wasn't, wasn't quite with it. And, uh, I, I had to hand over all, all the decision-making to her. Um, my life was, was in, was in her hands and their hands. And, uh, and they, they did, they did an amazing job. Um, my, my surgeon, a guy called Kieran Walsh, um, he's unbelievable. Uh, um, okay. Unbelievable, and um yeah, they, they took it out. um It was the, the the actual technical term for my colon. The state yeah. of it was toxic megacolon. Wow, that's a bad name, if ever you if ever you wanted a bad name,
0: toxic colon TMC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I want one. No, I don't. I'm kidding. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what terrible thing to say. I can't just believe, believe I just yeah. said that. Um, so, were you misdiagnosed at the beginning then? And, or was it because, yeah, how no, did you get I, to I that No, I wasn't, I
1: wasn't misdiagnosed. I just, I there was just things that, like, if I. I'd, I'd work myself up to go to an appointment, and then I'd get to put an appointment, and I probably wouldn't be as bad as what I actually had been an hour earlier at home, and things like that. you would get a bit of adrenaline that would push you on, and because I'd, I'd push through f- for so long, um, right. I wouldn't do it these days if I was if I was unwell. I was I went I, I carried on working for uh, for a good few months with with the disease. And, um, and my performance, can I, can my I... performance at work went, went, uh, went downhill big time. They thought I, they thought I didn't care. Um, but I was really struggling, but I didn't know what was going on. And, uh, so that, yeah, so I, I was pretty useless.
0: That, that's, I'm now about to divert from what we're talking about. That's interesting, isn't it? That mentality of just pushing on through, even when your mm. body's screaming, going, yeah. I'm falling apart here. Um, no, let's not divert onto that because we'll do 35 minutes on that and then the interview with you will be over. Um, what do I want to say? Just I explain want about to say, stoma. yes, explain about the stoma. I also want to ask about you say that you were numb and desensitized because you were so used to living with the pain and that you, but you thought, well, you felt like a bit that you were fading. Were you also very tired of it and almost ready to let go?
1: Um, I hadn't had that conversation with myself, but Uh you do, you do give up a bit. There's, um, uh, so many people have said to me, you're so strong, you're so strong going what you've been, what you've gone through. And I always say, you got no choice. You just have to right. get because there's times you lie you lie in a hospital bed for days, and and you and you do you do give up you you because you, you just have to ride it out. There's nothing you can physically do. You just have to trust the the process that's that the process that you're going through. And um, so, yeah, you but and I hadn't had any experience of of previous illnesses before that. So um, yeah, what, just, well,
0: after surgery, once you know you're toxic, mega toxic. Toxic, toxic mega colon. Yeah. how could I forget that, <laughs> was removed. Does the pain then go or is it then another phase?
1: So they remove the colon and yeah. then they take the end of the small intestine, the small bowel, and yeah. they bring it through the abdominal wall, uh, just to the side of the belly button. And... Um, and that is the stoma um, That's some the people stoma. Can, some people can have the big stoma some people can have a small one i had quite a small one and um and it protrudes about an inch or maybe just just less than that out from the the surface of the skin and um and then, so now, when you eat, that's what will uh, everything will the waste will come through into a, a stoma bag, a, col- a colostomy bag. And um, that's when you
0: have just—it's just a small bag on your abdomen, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can't remember the size of them. You get you get about three. You get three different sizes in terms of milliliters. I can't remember how much they hold. Maybe three to five hundred uh, milliliters. Um, and uh, yeah, the waste waste come comes out and um and that's how you go to the toilet from uh, from then on and in terms of the pain and discomfort after surgery um yeah i, I felt horrible i felt absolutely absolutely dreadful but um as i was told you know constantly being told the disease had gone pretty much and i was going to get better from from then on so my okay. my my thought processes went to right i've got this This um, compromise that I want to uh, deal with the best way I can, and I want to live a a a more normal life than uh, than many people do with a stoma. Because I was reading about things and people finding it quite hard, Um, so I wanted to lead a really normal life and be fit and well and and healthy, and that that was my aim. As soon and the pain did uh, when I I was very painful in hospital. It was a big, big surgery, eight hours. And wow. um uh it's a long, it's a long time and months on drugs, months, uh, uh hours under anesthetic. And uh so it's a big recovery process. And they're being fed intravenously uh at first, so you build up your um uh, so you build up your food intake. So I hadn't eaten much for so for quite a while. Um you can't just overload the digestive system. It's a bit like when you have um or people have been starving, and like prisoners yep. of war and things like that. You can't sure. just uh, you can't just chuck food down the neck; um, yep. it will have an adverse effect. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, the pain probably lasted about a week by the time I got home, and then it was on to adapting and getting used to having a stoma.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break right at that point. Welcome back to this Food Thing Podcast. I'm here with Christian. Christian's talking about his near-death experiences, emergency surgery. We got to the stoma. He's gone home from hospital and he's got a stoma. But because I'm pedantic, I'm going to ask the question about food being friend or a foe. And I'm I'm interested, Christian, what what your relationship with food up to that point was like and and what it looked like. And Did you eat well? Did you eat well when you were a kid? Did you have ulcerative colitis because of your diet? Because of your poor lifestyle? How was it?
1: Um, My diet from a young age was what I would call pretty normal for for most kids. Um, I we didn't we didn't have any money. We didn't we were we were pretty pretty um, poor family really. We we scraped by, but. there was still food on the table, uh, but it was, there, there wasn't an awful lot of, uh, variety, but I was, a, I was a bit fussy, so I, I was never too, fu- uh, never too, uh, bothered, uh, by that. So, um, yeah, you'd eat a lot of, uh, ham sandwiches, paste sandwiches. Um, I right. probably, I probably had a few too many chips and right. things like that, that and, uh, and not enough vegetables. I was a bit, I was a bit fussy with, with vegetables and, but, I knew what I liked, and um, and and, and, I, and I wasn't, and I didn't feel like it um, affected me in any way. But when you're a kid, and having kids now, um, eating gets in the way of doing other stuff. So I would be out playing with my friends, and uh, I, I would only want to eat when I've got hunger pains. And uh, so everything that was going in was was getting used. Um, Can I and, ask something? Yeah.
0: Do you think did you eat very quickly as a kid?
1: Um, Were you always in a rush? I probably um, ate fairly fast.
0: I'm just wondering if you had time to digest the food and also if that correlates with situations in your family, not time to digest what was going on. I don't know. It, it just came into my mind. I just Is there anything there?
1: Yeah, I, I've, always been, I've always been quite a fast eater. And uh-huh. um, even with, with having a stoma, I'd, I was a fast eater, and I have to okay. now after my <laughs> recent surgery. I have to really slow slow myself down, and I have to chew everything mm-hmm. right down to every last morsel, pretty mm-hmm. much. And um, and when. And when you're busy, um, you can find yourself rushing again, but, um, I didn't, uh, I was, I was rushing around a lot as a kid. Um, but, okay. uh, yeah, I, I, I don't remember being a really, really fast eater. There's probably faster eaters than, uh, the, than me that are, um, uh, probably still as skinny as a rake.
0: <laughs> can I, I guess what I'm asking, and you don't have to answer this, what I'm asking is were the things going on when you were younger, I don't know, maybe in your teens, in your life that were hard to digest, emotional things or traumatic things? Uh no, not not okay. really. Not not okay. really. My
1: uh, our parents um uh they 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 divorced um when I was about uh eight or nine. Um That's a big thing. But it didn't it didn't have an effect on me then. It probably had mm. more of effect on me late later on, um, mm. but still, but still, not not to a great degree. But it definitely mm. didn't have an have an effect on my uh, on my food or any or anything like that. No, but like maybe that. your
0: emotional state and your internal well being, because I'm just you know the whole kind of symbolism of an ulcer and things,
1: mm.
0: you know. It, the battle of the cells and things being ulcerated and falling away. That's just what I went to. Okay. Stop Gemma. Let you, let you you talk. So how was your, um, food as a teenager and, uh, leading up to your ulcerative colitis really?
1: Um, so as a teenager, it progressed very, in a very similar way. I would, um, I, I was, I was very fussy as a young kid. Um, but yet, yeah, fussy kids these days they might they might just like all junk food. I was fussy with with junk food, so i wouldn't I wouldn't eat pizza I wouldn't touch a pizza when I was a kid um so when I was in my teens, I would um eat more things like. Pizza or or whatever, I, but I still wasn't branching out into having too much uh, fruit and vegetables um, mm-hmm. on a, on a regular basis. My 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 water intake, I guess I drank quite quite a bit of water, which is good because I was exercising all the time. Um, I'd be out playing football. Um, once I hit sixteen, I was uh, training for athletics probably six days a week. And, um, and it was probably when I went to athletics, things started to change a bit when I got serious with that, with athletics. Um, I remember going to my, uh, coach one day because I Mm. wanted to learn more about, more about nutrition and, um, and the, and the wheels were in motion for me, the the idea of, uh, doing fitness studying fitness as well. Uh, this is back around about 1998, 99. And, um, and, uh, he went great i'll get you some information and mm-hmm. um he came in a couple of weeks later come to me come to training with a big wedge of paper with all this information and um how and all things all things that i work with now like how how many how many calories somebody should consume for their weight and things like that and, yeah. and uh and macros um before the word macro was even used and yeah. um And, uh, and it just completely overwhelmed me and he put in so much effort, um, and I just could not, uh, literally could not absorb all this information. It was just, it was just mind, mind blowing for me. And, um, but I was wanting to eat, eat better, but to eat better then would be, uh, to have, uh, I always ate a lot of pasta in my teens, actually that progressed, uh, progressed, um, things a bit cause I was using a lot of energy. So I thought, oh, pasta, energy, great. Fast releasing energy. Brilliant. Um, it's so- Is
0: ulcerative colitis caused by sugars?
1: Uh, possibly, uh, Western well, diets, Western like, diet, yes that's my theory. Um, they don't really, they don't really know, but there's some theories out there and, uh, Western what's your diets theory for you of-
0: then, because I think inherently at some level, we all know what's going on. So what would you
1: say were the causes? Uh, yeah, I, I think our diets in, in general, just, uh, high, high in sugars or just historically, uh, have, But, but have for you
0: particularly, is that what you, is that, is that what you think
1: that um, you, it's not a junk
0: food diet as a kid? Or
1: no, I don't. I I just think I my my bowel was just a little bit more sensitive. I don't think I ever um, uh, ever ate something too much uh, to cause to cause the problem. Especially when I when I look at the amount of um, thing uh, amount of uh, stuff that people eat and drink these days and through a whole lifetime. And, uh, and, at, and, at, and at most they put on weight.
0: Um, um their- I'm not, yeah, I don't know. I don't, we're not very healthy. are we, be at the moment. We're getting worse.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, when, when I hit my teens and I was going to more athletics meetings, training all the time, for me, a healthy meal would be, uh, tuna and pasta or something like that. And just keep it pretty, uh, pretty straight up with nothing, nothing extra, uh, not, not, um, in terms of, uh, sources, calorific sources and things <laughs> so like how, that.
0: How would you sum up your relationship with food then if you were to name it or if you were to characterize it? Because obviously it's massive and it's changed. Um, give it three words. How would you sum it up then?
1: Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, you got me on the spot. I really don't know. Um, oh
0: i think it's something that was pretty you weren't that interested in it and it's it was fast um and uh quite limited probably um and something that maybe was a bit intimidating not being able to find the way to to eat yeah well
1: one one would be would be convenient Um,
0: convenient okay there you go okay Mm.
1: convenient fuel and um Uh uh-huh and, uh, I guess, uh, I want to say, um, fun because I, I, have I mean, always enjoyed okay. eating the okay, food, cool. the foods that the foods that I eat. I've, I've always liked, I've never had, um, an issue with, with food, uh, as such. I, when I was young, I, uh when I was young, I was a bit funny about going to some kids' parties um, yeah. because I was a bit concerned about the, the, the weird and wonderful food they might have. I remember going to right. a friend's party once and um, picking up a quiche and uh, and I, I'd never <laughs> had a quiche and uh, and I picked up a bit of quiche and on and, um, my word, I I, um, I uh, spat it secretly out into my uh into oh, my did you?
0: Oh, well, okay. So I'm so a bit picky. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, let's move on from that. Um, and let's go... So I now have a, a picture, and I think anyone who's listening has a picture of an understanding of of your relationship with food. Then, let's leap forward again, and let's go to you've gone home and you've got your stoma, because I think you've beautifully described what happened. Um, and the psychology. Talk, t- explain to me the psychology of eating your food and then it coming out into a bag. Was that a big deal? Or were you just so relieved not to be in pain and not to to have this disease going on inside your body?
1: Yeah, I was really relieved. Um, I just wanted to get better. That that was was it. I'm going to get better. I've got the stoma. I have to use a bag. It's done now. I've I've no choice but to crack on. So um, when I came out of hospital, we actually spent a month on the Wirral, at, um, my partner's, mum and dad's place before venturing back down to London. And, um, that gave us a chance just, to just to settle in and, and be looked after a bit and then went, then went back and, uh, and then it was time to roll out the last few weeks before I could exercise again. And that's all I was thinking about. So, um, you, you, with, with a stoma and with a, a compromised digestive system um I, I think it's a normal thing just to monitor how long it takes something to digest and come through so there's a lot of that going on and you also have to try and control um the the consistency of what comes through and um, it can be so, very how running. do you
0: do that is that trial and error or do you get a, do you get another wadge of paper but this time from the hospital saying these are the do's and don'ts foods and or do, do you, um, you just have to educate yourself and see what your body's like
1: you have a stoma nurse, a stoma nurse when you're right. in hospital, um, okay. is more, once you've come out of surgery is the most valuable person to you. And um, so right. she'll teach you how to use, or he, um, will teach yeah. you how to use, uh, the, um, uh, change the bag. Uh, we'll educate you on uh, what happens and what foods to eat and not eat. So in the beginning they say low res diet. So no fibrous foods, no, um, no fruit, fruit or veg. And, uh, but over time you will be able to, uh, they say you will be able to eat anything you want and you will be able to do anything you 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 wish you want want to do um there's a few things to stay clear of because the the, the bowel can the small bow can become blocked and I've had a fair few blockages over the years um, from var- for various things but um uh, sweet corn nuts if they're not chewed very well and other uh, foods that might not digest very well w- with you personally um, can cause blockages and, and uh, they're very painful. Get,
0: I'm sure they are and then do you have to go back into hospital and have them removed or can you what, what happens with the blockage?
1: Most blockages uh, sort themselves out but because the uh the small bowel contracts and relaxes and, and eventually it can break down that obstruction and then things carry on as, as they should they're very painful um you just have to literally lie down and just ride it out um i've had um i've had an operation from where, where my where I got an obstruction caused by my small intestines twisting around on themselves
0: wow um, that wow. was uh
1: that wasn't fun um that Gosh. was in tw- that was in 2019 um and actually the result of that um the the complications with my surgery uh, back in September that's another that's another story um so um with foods yeah low fiber um so to start off with um when you're introducing foods back in when you've just come out of surgery um they will say just have a little bit of Ice cream, jelly and ice cream, right? stuff like that. And then they build it up to maybe a bit of soup and then some potato. And, uh, and hopefully soon then you might be onto a little bit of like have something, um, some uh, so a bit of chicken, or maybe some sausage, or something like that. It's very straightforward, basic, and stuff. you have
0: very small portions. Yeah, to start yeah, with. to
1: begin with, and you just build it up. And because uh, it's not about calories, the, the amount of calories at that point, it's just about getting the digestive system going again. Um, so by the time I got, we got back to London, probably about uh, five weeks um, from surgery, uh, I would have been back to eating um, uh, some vegetables but not much. And I was very wary, uh, more wary than I I am now because I I didn't know. So uh, I've always really liked broccoli. Um, I didn't eat broccoli for about two years or three years after surgery uh, because I thought I I, I was never going to be able to eat it again. And somebody, I spoke to somebody about it and they went, no, you can can eat broccoli. So I was like, great. (laughs)
0: Wow. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Hi, welcome back to this Thing podcast. I'm here with Christian. Where do we get to Christian? Were we like stoma-tastic? Um, we were talking about, I'm interested in the psychology around having a stoma. So I know that you're back in London, you've had five weeks off after your major surgery, you've been eating some broccoli, and I want to know what it what it feels like. What does it feel like to have a stoma, to eat, and know that it's going to go into a little bag and then you're going to empty it, even though you're so relieved to, to be pain-free and to be better?
1: Yeah, well, there was um, some restrictions that um, uh, physically that I had. So, mobility-wise, at first, whilst I was still recovering, you've got this big eight-inch scar running down the centre of your abdomen, and um, and so that causes problems with mobility. So I've I and because I was so weakened because I'd been so ill uh, beforehand, um, I, I struggled to put my socks on that right. and that really things like that just annoyed me i thought i shouldn't i should be able to put my socks on but because you've also got this bag in the way and you don't want to lean over you don't want to squash the stoma or anything like that even yeah. though it's perfectly safe but there's no one there to to tell you what what you can and can't do for every little thing um okay. every day you just have to work it out uh, for, for yourself so um uh when when we got back i was just um thinking I, when I'm well enough to start training again, I want to start training I, and I need, and I need to start from the, from the, the bottom of the ladder and then, and then build up gradually. But I was pushing forward uh, straight away. I, um, my, um, I wasn't too, some people get, um, uh, body image problems. One of the reasons that I wanted to start training is so I can, uh, not have that not have right. body body image problems. Not that I, uh, I ever did, but um, it, uh, there was it wasn't never something that really really bothered me too much uh, anyway. Before before the stoma, but I just thought in in case just to, I wanted to build my mental strength because um, it was just all preparation for what for what's coming.
0: I understand that. So, so what is it like? What is it like to to have a stoma and? Um and be so compromised how does how did it impact upon how you felt about yourself
1: um, I, I I was recovering and I just again I was just wanting to push forward but um having a stoma day day to day you some people change their bag um frequently some people not so frequently, so I was probably more frequent I just felt comfortable having a clean bag on in the morning and a clean bag in the evening um it can be very messy when you change it if you change it at the wrong times so you need to it's good to change it when uh, you've been emptied the bag or um or a time like when there's not been much going through your digestive system so there's a bit of a stress with that with going to public places and um and, and feeling like you might need to change your bag, you get leaks. Sometimes the bag doesn't stick, and uh, and I've had I've had quite a few, and um, and you feel all of a sudden something runny running down um, around your waist or down your leg or something like that, and um, and you have to find somewhere to change the bag. So mentally, I guess that was a, a bit of a, a bit of a strain for me at times, but it didn't happen didn't happen too often. Um, but did the, lots of uh, people
0: know that what you were going through?
1: Uh, no, not really. I wasn't, um, I wasn't too open, which is probably one of the one things I, I regretted. So after the and surgery, we, go, yeah, on. go on, no, uh, go
0: on, tell me why you weren't open.
1: So after the surgery, I decided to give myself a year off and, uh, to, to get myself fit and well and, and deal with having stoma as best, as best as I can. And, and luckily I was able to, I was able to do that. And we, we were able to, to do that. And, um, and I went back, finished my studies and then I've always thought to myself, um, "Oh, can I go back and be a personal trainer?" I have no idea why I thought that. No, absolutely no idea. Because it's what I, it's, it's the only thing I knew, and uh, there's no. I, I don't think I've thought it through. I think I wanted to move into audio engineering, a little Mm -hmm. bit more, something new. So, uh, but I didn't tell people very much. Um, I tell people, people that were close to me, they knew, but, um, so when I went back to work, um, actually, actually halfway through the year, I went to work for a record label that did remastering of old, old albums. And, um, and you'd sit in this room and like an office and you'd each have a computer, with headphone, you'd have headphones on, and you'd have the audio gear there, and you'd be remastering this, this all the all the albums in your headphones. Mm-hmm. And um, stomers can be quite windy and quite noisy, and right. uh, so y- you can sound like a bit of a trumpet sometimes. Some people not so bad, but mine <laughs> mine was a noisy one, okay. and I would go, I would sit in the corner, and I would get the squeakiest chair possible. <laughs> and if I felt the pressure build up, not you don't feel anything coming out really with a stoma. You might feel a bit of pressure when it comes to the surface, but it do, But that's about it. And then I'd feel a bit of pressure build up, and I'd go Eah! on the chair, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> and it would go and it would go again. And I'd be going back and forth, and people looking around and stuff like that. And um, and quite He's a few twitchy. times, yeah, and quite a few times if I was out. Um, with friends, and uh, it would, and there'd be uh, a, a, a past wind. Even in, in, if there's people talking, it's quite noisy. Say you're in a bar or somewhere like that, and uh, and people would go, um, what they say, they go, is that is that your gut or is that your ass? Because they can, they their um, their sound <laughs> localization makes them look at my tummy, right? But they're they're trying to work out. Hang on, how did that sound come from there? You like. And so I, I don't know. I'd make up an excuse and or something like that, and uh, or, or jokingly just say a bit of both like that. And so uh, is
0: that because you were embarrassed or because you were trying to to live a new life and and free of everything that you'd been through?
1: Um, I was, I was still adjusting, getting used to it. Right. I also was very aware that um, uh, ten years ago, no, nobody knew what a stoma was really. No one right. I, no one I knew or no one I came across, especially no one in their, in their, um, you know, twenties or twenties okay. and early thirties. And, um, so there was, um, uh, uh, so a lot of, uh, ignorance, but, uh, on, on it sometimes. So or people would be very, um, uh, I don't know that they didn't seem like I could explain to them. I, I didn't want to breach the subject with yeah. them because I didn't. And you must've
0: felt very vulnerable as well. So in, in, I think when you feel very vulnerable like that, you need someone to be understanding and
1: supportive oh, definitely and De-
0: interested.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. So um, I, I, yeah. And uh, I, I never really, I never really told anyone. And then after a year I went back to work and, um, and, and, So I went into full-time work and I went to work at uh, Riverside TV studios in London Mm. and, um, and I was doing operations there and, and I can't believe that I never told anyone. And, and I, and I was there for, I was there for a good while and, uh, no one had any idea or any, any inkling. I was, I was the... Uh, the guy who dealt with operations, so I do a lot of lifting and stuff and, uh, think things like that. And, uh, people could, people could see that I trained and and that sort of thing, but no one had, uh, any, any idea. And, um, and well, funny, thing you, is, go on, go on. funny thing is Funny thing that my, when I, and now I've been more open in recent years, especially on, on social media, my yeah. ex, my, my ex boss contacted mm. me to tell me that he had Crohn's um, <sighs> <Wow>. and <laughs> Well, this
0: is what happens, the conversation opens up. But not at the
1: time, but not not at the time. I think he's had it, um, you know, um, further down the line. But so um, I was, they, they would have actually been quite receptive of it. Um, but then sure. I, I changed, I moved to become an audiovisual engineer and, um, and which I found a very serious job, a very challenging job working in lots of different places. You could be working in a, um, in, a, a really massive, massive house in Hampstead or wherever, uh, anywhere in the country. And, um and, uh, uh, fitting high-end home cinema systems and audio systems and security and things like that. And then you go in the house and the first thing that the, the blokes, um, who know the job, who've been there before say to you, they say, you can't do a number two in the toilet. And (laughs) I would, I would go, I would just think in my head, that's, that's that's (laughs) the only thing I'm doing in the toilet. And, um, and so they're going to have to deal with it. Um, so, um, and (laughs) On the other hand, you could be on the like, what's called the second fix phase, where you're working on a building site, doing all the wiring, and you've got a port-a-loo and it's the end of the day in the middle of winter, at like far past four, and it's pitch black, and you've got to uh, and and you've got to you, you've got to use those loo's with the stammer bag, or even worse, if you get a leak, you've got to try and change your bag in there. Um, so I had all, all these things, and wow. um, the audiovisual mm. work, I found. Uh, harder mentally because nobody knew what I was going through. And I also felt felt they weren't as approachable um yeah. to, to talk to about something like that. It was all about getting the job done. Yeah, you know, it's it's it was typical London. It was it like yeah. it I almost felt like it my the people's feelings and health didn't really matter. And um, London, London can be like that. Um
0: So, yes, uh, some what I'm hearing is it was a massive, major period of adjustment. We are coming to the end. I want to just quickly ask you, you've just had this most recent surgery, which means that you're now stoma-free. Is that, did I say it in the introduction, after 10 years? Is that true? Stoma-free after 10 years and you're now, you now have a new bowel, do you?
1: Yeah. So, um, I've had what's called, um, the full, um, term I think is ilioanal J pouch surgery. So for sure, it's smashing it with the
0: terms today.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, so just pouch surgery for sure. So what they've done is, um, they, in September, I went in, uh, to St. Mark's hospital in London and they, um, took down my old stoma. They take it down to your backside. And uh, they um, create the shape of a J and what they do, so they suture it together, but then they open it out from the inside uh, to create a collection pouch, a bag, basically. And, that, uh, and then a really clever way, they attach it to your anal passage and, um, and then you, that acts as um, a, a large bowel somewhat with nowhere near the same capacity as a, as a large bowel and
0: um and then you have to
1: le- go on sorry go on sorry so it didn't quite go to plan um because um in 2019 when i had this uh acute obstruction uh the surgeon sutured part of my small intestine to my abdominal wall to stop it from moving um he said because you haven't got a colon in there you haven't got a large bowel there's lots of room and he also said you haven't got hardly any internal fat which normally is a really good thing but it was pretty bad for me um so um uh, and i always knew it was going to cause me a problem even though it it shouldn't have done i just thought in my head it's going to cause me a problem and um and they couldn't, and they had a real job of unsticking it and uh, it perforated the bowel. And so eight days later, I had to be operated on again to be given a temporary stoma to give the pouch and the bowel a chance to heal. So I've just come, uh, uh six weeks ago, um, I, um, went back in to have that temporary stoma closed so things can, uh, food can start digesting properly going through the, um, going through in, into the pouch, um, And uh, another interesting thing: over the last six months with a temporary stoma, I only had one meter of bowel to use, so um, my my nutrient absorption was completely rubbish. Um, I could only have two strictly two liters of fluid a day, and one liter was a special um, mix, a special solution um, which didn't taste the best. And then I have a liter of anything else I wanted to drink, which is not much. And, um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, the food and water would just go, go through me, uh, like an, like an absolute rocket. But now, um, six weeks out from, um, having the stoma closed and using my J pouch, things are going, uh, pretty well. There's a lot more to, um, there's a lot more to, uh, uh deal with than a stoma. A stoma is easier. Um, I, I'm not afraid to say that a stoma is a stoma can be quite easy. So if someone is uh, worrying about having a stoma, um, it's, uh, other than having a physical thing on your abdomen that you, you might see through clothes and that sort of the aesthetic side of thing, um, the, uh, the stoma itself is easier to manage than having a, a pouch surgery, but it's one of those things that I've wanted to have for a long time. And I'm in for the long haul and, uh, so far it's going, okay.
0: So yes, and I imagine that it's because everything's been dormant and hasn't worked for for years and now it has to work again and that's always a challenge isn't it and painful.
1: Yeah. Like a muscle. Yeah.
0: It's muscle wastage
1: and Yeah, and well, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, there hasn't yeah. been traffic going down there for 10 years so um, <laughs> Unlike the uh, A3. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's, all, that's always that's always clogged up like my old colon. <laughs>
0: Um, it's absolutely fascinating, and so people can visit your Instagram page. And as you as you mentioned earlier, you're you're very open about all your surgery, and you're wearing a stoma now. So that's true, isn't it? And it, are, is there any are there any societies, foundations, charities, anything like that that you would recommend to anyone who's listening who, who's going through a similar situation before we before I ask you the final question?
1: Yeah, so. Um- linked to St. Mark's hospital, which is an, an internal part of, um, uh, now central Middlesex hospital in, okay. yeah. um, uh, is, is St. Mark's just focuses on bowel surgery and, uh, they're so good. They're just unbelievably good. Um, and this is I, your
0: Dr. Kieran, who? Uh, no, he was there.
1: up on the wheel. So I. Oh, he was my, up on the my, wheel. Okay. My surgery or surgeries, um, in St. Mark's, were done by a guy called Janindra Warasavatani and okay. uh, a lady called Kate Williams. And um, good and, to uh, know. Yeah, they're absolutely brilliant. There's other other really really good. So everyone's br- everyone's brilliant. There really really good, and um, and they and they deal with, uh, stomas, pouches, um, uh, all the time e- every day. And, okay. um, within that there's a support group that was set up years and years ago called the red lion group. And, um, and I've just joined the red lion group. I've been aware of it for, for a while and they do open days for pouch surgery every year. And, um, and I did an open forum on Zoom with did about um, with about thirty odd other pouchies last Monday, wow. and my progress has been up and down um, with over the last six weeks. And I was just coming off the back of a couple of really really hard days, and then I go on this forum, and immediately you just got um, you know thirty odd people that are in the same position as you. There's only six thousand people with J pouches in this country. It's not not many. So, um, yeah. So you, you, when you get the opportunity to tap, tap up people for ideas and with a stoma as well, um, you just need to, you need to find out how people manage because there's no one way of of doing it. There's lots of things to try. Um, but you just need to find out what's, what's good for you, what, what works for you and what works for your lifestyle as well.
0: Okay. Terrific information. And as usual, we'll have all your information on our website and on our Instagram page. lovethisfoodthing.com and LoveThisFoodThing. Final question: What five foods would you take to an island? You have a store cupboard. You don't have to think about your stoma.
1: Right, number or what one. What on you the, can't. Number one on number one on the list would be shortbread. Okay. <laughs> Guaranteed. Um, okay. I, 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 it's just something that I that I, I can eat. Uh, a decent amount of even now and no one has um,
0: said shortbread before i love it shortbread yeah yeah. Yeah. number
1: two number two um even though i haven't had it recently because beef beef can be a bit of a um uh a -hmm. bit funny with digesting and and things like that Mm -hmm. um i've always loved a good spag bol okay spag (laughs) okay what's
0: number three
1: Number, number three, um, oat milk. Mm-hmm. There we go. There's, pers- there's a personal trainer one for you. Oat yeah, milk.
0: isn't it? Just don't mention <laughs> the
1: sweet corn. It's, it's purely, purely on taste. It's nothing, nothing to do with health or not, not liking dairy. Um, skier yogurt. I love skier yogurt. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of that. And, okay. um, and, I, and I think even though I, um, I'm not drinking much at the moment, I think I'd have to take some Trooper beer
0: oh well done well done we've
1: got to get that it, in there it, yeah, it,
0: <laughs> you're going to need the trooper beer it's all yours thank you so much for coming on this food thing podcast it's been it's just been um, enlightening educational and and thank you for sharing your story it's been fantastic
1: it's been a pleasure
0: thank you thanks for listening I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode let me know on Instagram at thisfoodthingpodcast or join us again in the next episode